the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Hi, I'm Carl Davis Jr. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connection. I'm your host, but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where we help all small businesses. Start, finance, grow, and even exit their businesses. The best way to reach us and find out what we do is to go to our website at blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. My guest today is truly a good friend. And I say that every week, but this guy is truly a good friend of mine. And I respect him so much. I'm so thankful to have him on the show. Mr. Mike Beasley, I want to talk a little bit about your background, Mike. My background. You know, I... I heard you came from a school called Boise State. Tell me a little bit about Boise State. <laughs> no, it wasn't no Boise State. It's Weber State, Weber State University in Ogden, Utah. See, that's you, why you, I got you didn't confused. Know they had, you didn't know they had brothers in Utah, did you? <laughs> uh, when you left, that was it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. We had, we had a few there. As a matter of fact, you take a look, uh, uh, Damian Lillard, for, for example, uh, came from Weber State, okay? Really? Did you know that? No. Yeah, yeah so we, we, have some, we, we have some brothers that can play some ball. You know, and one, one of the requirements of people like Damian, you know what I mean, one of the requirements of people my age is we have to go back and teach the young ones, you know, how to play ball. So, you know, don't tell anybody because we try to keep it quiet. But, you know, I had to go back and, and help them, uh, school them, you know, on how to play. <laughs> well, That's Mike, one of the requirements you know, of Weaver State, you know? <laughs> Mike, you know, that was one of the ways that we met at IBM. You, you know, we both worked at IBM, and uh, you and I got a chance to meet, and, and I guess it was athlete, actually through athletics, right? Oh, a- absolutely. I, I, remember the, I remember the day I met you 40 years ago. Uh, uh, Lynn Jenkins brought you down to the gym. We had we had one more spot on the team, and uh, uh, Lynn says, "I got this guy. I want to bring him." Okay, I said, "Well, okay, bring him on down." And he brings this guy down. And I look at this guy, and I look at these skinny legs he had, <laughs> and I go, "Man, Lynn, who, who, who'd you bring here, man?" <laughs> And, and then you went out on the court, and I saw you jump, and I said, oh, well, he'll, he'll do. <laughs> he'll do. 
<laughs> oh, Mike, that, that was the start of a wonderful relationship. And uh, people didn't know it, but not only did we win the championship in basketball, but we actually played uh, flag football, and then we won it in baseball, softball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, we had a good run, man. We had a real good run. Well, Mike, um, I mean, you had uh, a really good career at IBM. And one of the things that I always was very impressed with was somehow, and you tell me the story of how that happened, Mike, that you started um, running software companies for IBM. But go into that background, if you would. Yeah, well, this started, this started after, uh, after, you know, I was uh, a manager, uh, you know, uh, third, fourth line manager or something in IBM. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school. So I went back to MIT and got my master's in the management of technology. And uh, after that, uh, I had, you know, uh, I got to work for the senior vice president of, of, of software, right? And so I got to explain to some people what I wanted to do. You know, I, I really wanted to do some things that IBM was not good at, you know, uh, and, and IBM, you know, did, did huge projects extremely well, but some of the smaller things that needed to be done, we didn't do as well. And so I wanted to create a business underneath IBM, you know, an independent business running underneath IBM. An example would be IBM builds databases, right? Relational databases, hierarchical databases, but we didn't do any of the tools. And there's a lot of money in the tools and that sort of thing. So that's what I you know, told people in the company that I wanted to do, and they took a chance on me, you know, and uh, and let me create this business, and, you know, it's, this business turned out to be extremely profitable. I mean, when I left, it was, um, you know, uh, the business was a $750 million business uh, wow. so over that nine-year nine year, uh, span. And we, we built, uh, I mean, one year, our first really good year, we we had several uh, big deals, one a $20 million deal, you know, cash deal. You know, we actually affected the IBM uh, share earnings by two cents. And I, I still remember that because we sent a letter to the to uh, the controller there saying, you know, and the, t- the subject of the letter was our two cents worth. Okay. Wow. So wow. We had, we had, you know, we didn't have over that nine-year stretch. We had a significant impact on it on IBM and it, it worked well. It worked well. Man, Mike, that's man, that's, well, that's pretty the story. impressive. Call IC software. Man, that's pretty impressive, Mike. You know, um you know, I know your heart and lately you've been really involved in, you know, trying to uh bring whatever expertise and management skills you have to this whole homeless situation, Mike. And uh, I know that's your heart, and I want you to talk a little bit about that. So frame it the way you want, Mike. I mean, a lot of people have said, and I don't know how the statistics are, that African-Americans make up about 25% of the homeless. I I don't know if that's true or not, Mike, but tell me how you frame that homeless sort of situation for our listeners. Well, I'll I'll, I'll start there since you just said that that number. you know, we do a, we do a survey. We're, we're required to do a survey. The counties, the states, you know, all the counties are required to do a survey. The last two weeks of, of January, okay, uh, on odd years, okay. So 2019 would have been the last year, 
And, and so at that point in time, they call them point in time counties, as a matter of fact, 19% of the homeless people in Santa Clara County were African-American. Wow. Okay? We, rep, we represent in the county, I think, about 2% of right. the population, right? So you can see that's out of whack. So yeah. just, just to take that point, because you mentioned it. But let me, let me back up to something else. Earlier you had said, and I think a couple of days ago, I remember when you asked me to do this a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, you said, hey, I want you to talk about homelessness if you can, because you have a passion for, for the homeless. I, that got, it was on my mind. I was thinking, you know, it, I, a passion, I looked up the definition, it says a strong and barely controllable emotion. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, you know, actually, I don't have a passion for this subject. What I, what I have probably is uh, an IOU. I mean, it's like people have helped me all my life. You know, where I got to, I got to because people helped me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I got the uh, best educations and all of these things, right? So mm-hmm. I've been fortunate. So I feel like there's an IOU out there. I owe somebody. I owe the I, I owe the community. I owe this humans, right? So a lot's been given to me. I need to give a lot back. So that's why I do this, brother. It is it, it is nothing more than I owe. It's just like you walk up to someone, give them a hundred dollars, and they go, "Whoa, why did you give me this hundred dollars?" Did you forget? I borrowed it from you. A <laughs> <laughs> it's not a gift. I'm not giving a gift of my time and my effort. What I'm giving is something I owe because all the people that are giving me. So Man, that's, that's, Mike, that's why I do it. Okay. Man, that's uh, powerful, Mike. That that really is. I mean, that that comes from your heart. And that hundred dollars, I I think you do owe that to me, but we'll talk about that after the show. Okay. I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you know, that's such a huge problem for so many people. How do you even conceptually put your arms around that problem? You know, how do you how do you do that and where do you begin? Well, let me let me let me give you a few thoughts. You know, people people parse this up and, and, and they'll talk to you about it in different ways. It depends on the person you talk to. So you're talking to Mike mm-hmm. Beasley. So here's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I look at homelessness in three pieces. Okay. Uh, financial, financial homelessness. And then I look this other area is what I call a problem or a dependency. You know, people have some type of problem, some type of dependency, you know, alcohol, drugs, whatever. And, and, and to some degree, sometimes it's even, just, I just don't get along well with people. You know, I just don't get, I can't go to places like DMV and, you know, and do well, that sort of thing. They, they have problems. And then the third area is mental illness, mental health problems. Okay. So I look at, at it in those three different ways uh, when I'm, when I'm uh, trying to talk to people about it and, and try to explain. You know, if, you, if you're working and, and you know, it, 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 actually, they say in San Jose, if you it takes three people uh, on minimum wage, getting minimum wage, it takes three people to afford a one bedroom apartment. I know, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So that means the mama, dad, and the oldest child got to work, right? And guess what? If there's a oops, if there's a oops on anybody, any of the three, you yep. know, somebody gets sick, something else happens, break, you know, then you're homeless. Wow. Okay. Wow. Homeless, I mean, and that's uh, 
I mean, that's problematic. Uh, so, and, and, and while we're on that, just this section of, of financial and the financial mm-hmm. homelessness, because that's mm-hmm. probably the easiest one for people to understand, but there's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot to, to, you know, that I think people don't know, you know, uh, in California, okay, in California, the whole state, mm-hmm. 32% of, of renters pay more than 50% of their salary for housing. Now that's, mm. that's a third of the people are paying half of their salary for the rent. And that, and and so you're paying that to rent. That's to keep a roof on your head. You ain't ate nothing. You ain't drove to nothing. You ain't did anything else. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about that. That's a problem. Yeah, that is a problem. Uh, it's it, you know, if you look in the Bay Area, it gets even worse, right? Forty-five percent of the renters are paying fifty wow. percent of their salary. Wow. So it doesn't take much. It doesn't, you know, think about it, how many people in a, if you're paying 50%, you're on the edge, you're on a thin edge there. It does not take much to fall off, right? I think that federal government's statistics say uh, you really should be around 30%. You shouldn't be any more than 30%. Uh, when we got, you know, third of the population in California, over 50%, and almost half the population in Silicon Valley. Oh, and that's. You know, Man, that's crazy, Mike. But, you know, we end up saying it and, you know, we say it in jest, but there's some truth behind it. You know, we look at each other and we say, hey, you know, we're only three months away from being homeless ourselves. You missed three payments. You may be out. Right. That's that's absolutely true. And unfortunately, this COVID environment is is, is showing that. Oh, Um, my goodness. And and so it will get do you feel, Mike, and, and Mike, before you go on, Mike, do you feel that the COVID environment is um, making more people homeless? Yes, yes. I mean, think, think about think about a person that has a job uh, where that company had to close. Well, they were paying rent, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't pay the rent. You don't have a job. <laughs> I mean, this is easy. Yeah, yeah. man. It's going to be an impact. I think the only question is, is how big is the impact? I don't think there's any question about there is an impact. Mm-hmm. There's a big impact. Uh, you know, you could argue that the money that the government's trying to put into the system and pay people uh, is helping. Mm-hmm. You know, but but they, you, you're gonna. I don't think there's any doubt about seeing a, uh, an impact. Man, Mike. Well, you know what I want to do, Mike. I want I want to get ready to take a break because I want to take this up on the second half. You know, I, I love this, and we're going to dive into those other two that you're talking about, Mike. Uh, but this is very fascinating to to get it from your perspective. Someone that's you know in in working with uh, homeless folks, and I'll talk about whatever you're doing to to help them. But uh, let's take a break right now. We're going to leave it right there. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connection. Bay Area residents, we need your help. The coronavirus has affected everyone, and that includes Silicon Valley. Nonprofits that help small businesses like our Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce are in dire need of support. Your support helps us support and assist small businesses with workshop webinars and even one-on-one technical training for free. Please give, whether it's your time, your volunteer expertise, or donations. Go to blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com and see how we help Bay Area communities. And now back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Welcome back. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. 
I'm your host, Carl Davis Jr. My guest today is Mr. Mike Beasley, a very good friend of mine, but a gentleman who, as he said, he doesn't really have a passion for homeless, but he just feels like he's got an IOU to just dive in this homeless problem and just help people out. And Mike, I, I'm always I'm always amazed that, you know, Silicon Valley with all these brilliant folks we have, great problem solvers. How can how come we can't solve this homeless problem, Mike? What do you say to that? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's big. It's it's really about you know, if I would say the most difficult piece is probably management. Uh, you know, it's a huge thing to manage across multiple cities, counties, states. You know, it, it is huge. And it's got so many elements, as we were talking. You remember I told you mm-hmm. I broke this in the financial? Mm-hmm. We didn't get into the people that have some type of drug or... or uh, Dependencies. You know, some kind of dependency. And then you got the mental health piece, right? Mm-hmm. So, so look, so we talked about the easy part, the financial part. Mm-hmm. And the easy part is really hard because think about it. You got to buy, you got to build a lot of units to house the people that we have here in the state, especially mm-hmm. when you talk about affordable units. We, we just don't have enough units. Okay. If supply and demand is driven up to price. This is an expensive area. That's tough. But now you get into, let's say, the second area where people have some type of dependency. Well, you, you not only have to find them a unit, you have to do some type of supportive housing to, you know, uh, to fix the problem, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they, we look at this thing called housing first, which says mm-hmm. get people into a house and then solve their problems, right? Because mm-hmm. it's hard to solve those problems and work on those problems when they stand under a bridge. So, yeah, you know. And you got, like I said, you got a, the range of problems are just, you know, drug, alcohol, and then they're just plain problems dealing with society, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have problems going to the DMV or the Social Security office and being successful. And if you've mm-hmm. been to either one of those places, you know how tough it is. You got to find the right <laughs> yeah. guy, get the instructions right, and then you get up in the window and they tell you, no, you know, those, that last hour you've been waiting, you're in the wrong line. Oh, this other line. You know, some people lose it, you know, and they won't let them back in, right? Fortunately for me, I get that close to losing it because I at least go back. But I can see people that, that have difficulties, you know, yeah. not making it. So that's that, that's you know, it's in that category also. But before you, you go, area. but before you go on, Mike, before you go on, I would like to ask you this because some people have heard the first part of our show and they're hearing it now, and, and they want to connect with you, Mike. And I want to say this early so we could talk about it for the end of the show. How could people who hear you and say, you know, I, I want to work and help Mike with this problem, how could they get to you? They can email me at uh, mike at gilroycompassioncenter.org. Can you say that again? Mike? Mike at gilroycompassioncenter.org. Okay. 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 Well, Mike, I want to. I want to. I didn't want to interrupt you. I want you to go back to what you're talking about because I think the way you had laid it out is that the way other people see it too, Mike. Or you've been able to put those categories together. And when you talk to people, because it resonates with me, it seems very straightforward. Well, you know, 
you, you've known me for a long time. I mean, there mm -hmm. are a lot of people that break it out in different ways and stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to break it out in a real simple way because I don't really understand complex things. So that's, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the way I break it out. It's, it's simple. I can get, I can get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why you were a programmer. Ones and zeros. Ones and, ones zeros. and zeros. On I and off. That. Yeah, what what number is it? Zero, one. I, I can deal with that. It's my favorite numbering system, by the way. Okay. So let me talk about the third third category: mental mm -hmm. health, mental illness, that sort of thing, right? And that is that is really a tough one, you know. And as, as a matter of fact, I mean, one could argue that that is not a, a homeless problem, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. in the way you could test it is if I give a mentally ill person three houses have i solved their problem and the answer is no. probably not right no. so no. but we we put it in that category of homelessness so and and that's a tough one to deal with uh, tough one to deal with i mean i can uh, see why i can see why people put it there because you know um if someone is homeless they're homeless right you know, if a mental ill person is homeless, they're homeless. If you're whatever, you're, if you don't have a home, you're homeless, right? It, and, you know, and this thing started, uh, a lot of people like to call it uh, when Reagan opened the doors of Agnew, <laughs> whatever, mm -hmm. you know, just let the homeless people out, and homeless mm -hmm. and mentally ill people out. It yeah. really was a 1967 law uh, called LPS, and the LPS is the, the first letter of the last name of the I uh, know Pat is short of the last two names of, uh, mm -hmm. of, of of the bill that was written. And essentially what that bill says, I'm going to oversimplify. But if you want to go read it, you, you know, just just do the 1967 LPS uh, California law. But mm -hmm. uh, the simplicity of it is uh, before that law, if somebody, if we thought somebody was mentally ill, we could put them in a state hospital. With that, this new law, you have to show that I am a danger to you or to me. So a danger to someone else or a danger to myself. And you have to prove that, okay, in order to get me into a, a state hospital. That sounds crazy in itself, Mike. How are you going to prove it unless somebody has to do something to hurt somebody? Well, 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 no, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. You, got, you have to show that this person, you know, is, is, is mentally ill and can't take care of themselves. Uh, and, and, and see, the difference is, I mean, you shouldn't be, I, I happen to agree with the law, you know, and I may, I may be in the minority on this, but I, I agree that for me, and I'm just talking about me, let's say that I'm mentally ill, and you can look at me and see that I'm mentally ill and say, Mike needs some help. Let's get him into the hospital, right? Well, the, the way the, the law is, which, again, which I said I believe in, is is if I'm not a harm to you and I'm not a harm to myself, then you got to let me go do my thing. Mm -hmm. But you can look at me and say, Mike's not going to do well. Well, that's mm -hmm. okay. I choose not to, to do well in that mm -hmm. case, right? I choose to be on my own. Maybe somebody's told me about this medication I can take, but this medication makes me feel like somebody else. And I don't want to take it. Well, the law protects me on that and says I don't have to. Okay, I don't have to be mentally well. <laughs> I just have to not be a danger to you or me, right? And that makes it tougher for people like me to deal with people. But I think it's the right thing. Okay, mm. I think we need to. I, you know, I, 
again, this is an area I don't know enough about, but it's an area we need to do better. Uh, for example, we need to have more people that deal with mental illness and, and, and understand how to deal with mentally ill people and people on that edge. We need more of them in the police department. Mm-hmm. So when I call from the compassion center and somebody's doing something really strange or whatever, they don't come with the guns and stuff. <laughs> you know, They don't mm-hmm. come ready to, to, to arrest the person. They come with knowledge of how mm-hmm. to deal with the person. I think we got to do better there on the mm-hmm. mental illness piece. We got we to gotta know more and manage it better. So I, I think that will change. I, I think people are getting more enlightened and they're going to be more police departments are going to have people that deal with that, not some uh, rookie uh, mm-hmm. police officer or whatever, you know, with a gun on coming to deal with that person. So that's just my opinion. So don't... No, that's fair. But no, that's very important, Mike, because that's an issue that's a hot button today is, you know, police training, right? Police diagnosing a situation and applying the right type of authority to the situation. Obviously, with George Floyd and other things, you've seen people do some things that uh, kill people versus being able to recognize what needs to happen in this situation. Right. And, and I think you will find, you know, I, I haven't asked this question of a police officer, but I believe you will find police officers, the majority will say, I'm not qualified to deal with mentally ill people. Right. You know, right. I know I'm not, you know, right. and I deal with a number right. of people. Right. Right. But I know I'm not qualified. I don't have the, the, the that knowledge uh, and capability to understand their problem and, 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 you know, I wanted to work with them, you know, and, and, and you need professionals, people that understand that, you know. That well, you, let me ask you this, Mike, because we only got like a couple minutes left. Um, tell me a little bit about your work at Compassion. So tell me a little bit about the Gilroy Compassion Center. Tell me something about okay. that. Yeah, well, the Compassion Center, uh, again, the way I look at things, we, we deal with problems when you, when you deal with a problem, you're dealing with either the symptoms or the problem, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you, when you, and so we do, we, we, when we first started, we were dealing with just the symptoms. As mm-hmm. of last year, we're now deal, dealing with more of the problems, trying to solve mm-hmm. the problem. So mm-hmm. uh, when we deal with the symptoms, we have a day center. And people that are homeless get, can come into that day center, and, and they come in, and, 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 and one of the things they can do is they can wash their clothes. They could get a shower. They could get a little something to eat or something, okay? Uh, we, we talked with homeless people before we opened it up, and one of the things that they said they needed, it's, you know, like an ad, they need an address. Can you remember, mm-hmm. can you, you won't know, believe how many forms you can't successfully fill out without an address, right? Wow. You don't know that until you become homeless. Right, <laughs> So we, right. Get, we, we do those sort of things. But here's the thing, though. We help them out. We make their day better, make their life better that day. But when the sun rises the next morning, we've got the same problem. Same problem. Same thing, you know. Yeah. Same, you you got to go through it again. So you're just dealing with the symptoms, making their lives a little better. And that's what we've been doing for some period of time. Now we've moved on, and we're still doing that, but now we're looking at more of how do we get South County to deal with the housing, the affordable housing you know, piece of this. They can reach you at Mike at Gilroy Compassion Center dot org, right? That is correct. Or they can call me on my phone at seven seven nine Mike. 
<laughs> hey, Mike, but what was the area code? 408. Oh, okay. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we, we thank my, my wonderful guest, Mr. Mike Beasley, being on our show today. And as I always tell you, stay connected. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected, Silicon Valley Business Connections.